Rob here again. On this podcast, I'm going to deal with the topic of truth. In fact, because I have so much to share on this topic of truth, I will have to divide this into two podcasts. The first half will be my venting podcast about truth. The second half will be my teaching podcast about truth. The word truth. Truth is a noun because it is an idea. Truth is something that just is. However, truth did not happen by accident. The good Lord invented truths. In fact, he invented all truths. Maybe you were not aware of it, but God always speaks the truth. That is why God's word is the truth. Truth is like the word love. Love is an idea. Love was also invented by the Lord. Love, like truth, just is because God created them. Pontius Pilate said to Christ, so you are a king. Christ answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And then Pilate said to Christ, what is truth? Now, being that I'm a history buff, I understand Pilate's question, what is truth? Pilate grew up in a time when there were literally thousands upon thousands of Greek philosophers who would spend the entire day just sitting around discussing and or debating the most irrelevant and frivolous things that they could come up with in their search for truth, finding truth. A lot of actual, factual, amazing truths have been discovered over the years in medicine, in mathematics, in computer sciences, even in quantum physics. Some very sophisticated truths of mathematics and science had to be discovered in order to send rockets into space. Unfortunately, many times humans run into problems with the concept of truth when what they think is truth, when it is really not truth, but some theoretical suggestion or theoretical idea. Is evolution a truth? Man says it is. God says it is not. How about climate change? 50 years ago, they said the truth was that this world was going to be in a deep freeze phase. And then that truth changed 30 years ago to a view that now says the truth really is that we're in a global warming phase. We were all supposed to be under 12 feet of water 20 or 30 years ago. Remember what Al Gore said? We know how that prediction turned out. So when the global warming truth did not happen, they moved on to a new truth, which now says we are living in a time when everything related to weather, hot, cold, snow, rain, tornadoes, hurricanes, droughts, sunlight, moonlight, dark light, snow light, everything, it's all the result of climate change. I know, confusing. This is why my hope is in the Lord and not in men. B.S., if I do have any climate changers listening in, can you explain to me how all those glaciers melted without any factories, cold-fired power plants, or cars around? Just saying. Everything the Lord says is a truth, unless he chooses to change the truth into a new truth. And whatever Christ taught was also a truth, because he too is God. And in fact, Christ changed some truths into new truths. Christ told his followers, I know you were told these truths in the Old Testament. However, I'm going to change those truths 
into new truths. However, only the Lord has the power or authority to make truth or change the truth, especially the truths of his written word. Sadly, many in the church do not see the sinfulness of flippantly or casually changing God's truths. Let me share an example of what I'm talking about. I was in a church recently. I heard a pastor do an excellent job of teaching what the Bible says are the serious consequences for believers who flippantly and arrogantly participate in the communion service. As this pastor was reading through 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he came to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 20-22. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Do you not have homes for eating and... And then the pastor stopped. By choice. The rest of that verse says, Do you not have houses in which you eat and drink? Now this pastor purposely left out the end of that verse that reads, And drink. Now why do you think a pastor who says he loves the truths of God's word more than life itself purposely leaves out a Bible truth? He left it out because he has his own preconceived opinions on what God's truth should be instead of what God's truths are. You see, this pastor will look you right in the eye from the pulpit and teach that he wholeheartedly believes that the Bible condemns believers for drinking alcohol, and yet he purposely avoids teaching a biblical truth right there at the end of verse 22 in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 because he knows that God's word contradicts his own personal view on this topic. What a hypocrite. What a deceiver. Again, now I'm not talking about someone who has a different view on a truth that they read in scriptures. This pastor was simply choosing to reject God's word for the way it was written. By doing this, this pastor has placed himself above the wisdom and authority of God. God help him at the judgment seat. And sadly, this is not an uncommon practice. It is an absolute fact about truth. A truth does not come with multiple choice optional truths. A truth is singular. And the unique thing about truth is that most times truths are hidden. It takes a little work to find them. There were a lot of amazing scientific and mathematical truths that were hidden and needed to be discovered in order to launch a ship into space. All those truths were created by God. Truth is revealed to those who seek for it. And when it comes to the truths even of God's word, many times the Lord hides his truths because he desires his people search for them diligently. Proverbs 2, 1 through 5, My son, if you will receive my words and if you will treasure my commandments within you and if you will make your ear attentive to wisdom and if you recline your heart to understanding and if you cry for discernment and if you lift your voice for understanding, and if you seek her as silver, and if you search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of truth. Don't you love all those conditional if words? The concept that believers always grow in the knowledge of the truths of the Bible through a movement of the Holy Spirit is just plain silly. If that were the case, the church would not be so full of biblically ignorant believers, would it? 
I believe the philosophy that the Holy Spirit is responsible for everything that a believer learns or knows about the scriptures is simply a form of lazy Christianity. Christ said, if you study my word, and then if you continue in my word, then you will find the truth, and then the truth will make you free. Yes, 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 I know. All believers do need the Spirit of God in their lives to help enlighten and guide us. However, that does not mean that the Holy Spirit does everything for us. The Holy Spirit will most definitely help us see the deeper things of God. But I truly believe that the Scriptures show that most of the truths of God's Word are revealed to us when we diligently study the Scriptures. Moses in Deuteronomy 5.1 said, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and ordinances which I am speaking today in your hearing, so that you may learn them and then observe them carefully. Are you hearing what Moses is saying? Moses telling God's people, I'm going to tell you what God's commandments are. It is up to you to choose to learn them and then obey them. Serious thing about God's commandments is he does not just want us to learn them. He wants us to obey them once we learn them. Some of the Hebrew Christians were rebuked soundly for not learning their scriptures, which would have included sound biblical truths. Biblical truths that they should have been teaching to others. Sound biblical truths that the Lord expected these believers to learn on their own through studying God's word. Please notice that the writer of the book of Hebrews did not rebuke the Holy Spirit for doing a lousy job of explaining God's word to those Hebrew believers. So in this podcast, I want to discuss the importance of knowing how to search for truth, how to separate truth from a lie, in order to know that you have God's truth. Sadly, many church leaders today function like the Greek philosophers of Pilate's day. A lot of babble with no substance. What is being passed off as a word from the Lord these days is many times simply the religious ramblings of a zealous but biblically ignorant Christian. If you are a spiritual wise discerner of God's word, you already know that there's a lot of religious spiritual mishmash being passed off as biblical truth. Just saying. A lot of believers today think or feel that what they believe is the truth of God, but they are not sure because they do not know their scriptures. And sadly, many children of God believe what they believe simply because their pastor told them to believe it. There are a lot of people's opinions and emotionally re-engineered doctrines being taught in the churches today. Just like today's lying liberals, many of God's people seem to be making it up as they go along. As I have shared before in a previous podcast, I believe the main reason for this is a lack of spiritual discernment in the church. So in this podcast, I'm also going to tackle the topic of the importance of knowing what truth is and what truth is not. I will be discussing the importance of understanding and knowing how to find biblical truth, which is something that needs to be searched for. It's not handed to us. But before I get started, I would like to share something with everyone. Now, I do not consider myself God's ultimate proclaimer of truth. However, I do believe that the Lord has put a touch of the prophet in me. I believe the Lord is using me to shame and or rebuke, not encourage or pamper, those church leaders and sheep who have purposely chosen to wander away from sound biblical truths in order to please family, friends, 
pastors, or even denominations. And what I have noticed over the years is that God's people no longer have a zeal, a conviction to know, protect, and defend God's word. Remember, a prophet's role should not be confused with a missionary's role. Unlike the missionary who has a message of hope and who comes hoping to see conversions, the prophet simply shares whatever messages God has given him. As I see it, the biblical stuff that I am sharing is pretty easy stuff to grasp if your heart and mind are locked in and knowing the truths of sound doctrine, and especially those truths that are relevant to the church. Now, even though it seems like I'm always smash-mouthing the entire church, I know that there is a remnant of faithful Bible believers out there somewhere who are striving to defend the truths of God's Word. I know that out there on this great big planet Earth, there are some, not many, there are some who strive to stay true to God's word. With that said, I also know that these faithful men and women of God are far and few between. So if you have a pastor who defends the faith, is true to God's word, keeps those commandments and teaches it like it is, then you pray for him and encourage him because he's a good man. So although I do know that I am a unique species of Bible believer, I am that remnant believer species that teaches God's word just as it was written, I also know that out there in the world, there are other remnant believers who are striving to defend the faith. So even though I might come across to some of you as an old curmudgeon, sourpuss believer who sees no one walking correctly according to God's word, I am not. I have been standing up for God's biblical truths for many, many years, and I know many others are also. Sadly, even though I have shared many biblical truths with a lot of believers over the years in the church, I find very few believers who truly get excited about anything beyond the basic things of scriptures. I believe part of the problem is that American Christians just do not want to get out of their spiritual comfort zone. They are okay with some teachings of God's word, at least the ones that do not force them to change. Now, I want to be the first one to say that if if you know, based on your knowledge of scriptures, that what I am sharing with you is not biblically correct, stop listening to me. Just do not judge me wrong because you think or feel that I am wrong. Remember, emotions bundled with a half-hearted knowledge of some Bible verses are not good ingredients for coming up with sound judgment. Do not listen to me if you know that I am not teaching the truth because that would make me a deceiver whether I am sincere or not. However, if what I am sharing is simple to understand biblical truth, then please, please, please do not run away from it. Now, I'm going to tell you that when you initially hear some of the things that I share with you, you might not accept it. That initial rejection reaction of what I am sharing happens because you are letting your emotions override your logic. So I am asking you, turn off your emotion button and listen to what I am saying using your brain and not your heart, and you will see that what I am sharing with you is biblical truth. Now, my life is not spent in doom and gloom turmoil worrying about the direction the church is going. I saw this end time falling away from the faith church scenario a long time ago, because I studied my Bible. 
The spiritual drifting away from God's truths by the church did not catch me off guard. The Apostle Paul warned us nearly 2,000 years ago what the condition of the church is going to be like in the end times. He warned of wolves disguised as sheep creeping into the church with the goal of purposely leading God's people away from sound doctrine. He also warned in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, he said, I realize in the last days difficult times will come for men, uh, let me add men and women, and let me also add men and women in the church, will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents. Paul has a whole list of ungodly characteristics here, but I want to bring up what he says in the last line of that verse, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Isn't that the way most churches are today? If you've ever been to a Wednesday night Bible study or even a Sunday morning Bible study in most churches, you know how chaotic and superficial it is. Now, I'm going to pick on one church doctrine that is being taught in most churches for the sole purpose of exposing the confusion about what truth really is in a church today on this specific doctrine. Now, again, remember, the confusion in this doctrine is, does not come from the Lord. The confusion comes from supposedly wise Bible teachers not diligently studying their scriptures. Now, the list of questions I'm about to share are purposely done sarcastically. I am not really looking for answers to these questions. They are purposely rhetorical in nature. So my one topic is the gift of tongues. I'm going to use this one because it's probably the most abused doctrine in the churches these days. So again, the following sentences are my sarcastic but real questions about speaking in tongues. Here we go. Do we need to speak in a tongue in order to believe the gospel? Do we speak in a tongue the moment we get saved or is it the next day or the next week or the next month or even years later? Do we need to speak in a tongue in order to verify that we are saved? Or are we not even able to get saved unless we speak in a tongue? Does this miraculous tongue movement give me the ability to witness to people from other countries as they did in the Bible? Or is it just to impress other believers in the pews on Sunday mornings? Do I pray in a tongue to God because God doesn't do English? So do we just speak in a tongue when we pray or... Can we do it when we sing? Should I even publicly pray in a tongue or sing in a tongue like at church since the scriptures tell me that if there's no interpreter, the tongue speaker should keep their mouth shut? What is the purpose for a strange tongue? Why is the tongue thing the only supposed necessary gift in the church today? Lord knows we could use some healers or prophetic revealers of forthcoming events in the church. It would have been nice to have a little heads up on the COVID thing. Now, sadly, a lot of these sarcastic questions about tongues are actually doctrines being taught in some churches. I continue. So if a missionary spends two years learning a new language like Chinese or German before heading out into a country that they had never been to so they can do some missionary work, does that qualify as speaking in a new tongue? So even though I believe the gospel of Christ nearly 40 years ago, do some of you still believe that I'm going to spend my eternity in hell because I still do not speak in a tongue. Oh, that's right, that's right. Some teach that God's people get the tongue thing after they get this special mystical second spirit baptism. 
Does the second spirit baptism happen because the first spirit baptism, when the Holy Spirit indwells all believers, when they get born again, not able to do the tongue thing? So are some of you teaching that the first Holy Spirit who indwelt me 40-some years ago when I first got saved spiritually dropped the ball? Are you now saying that all believers who do not believe in this kind of creepy tongue doctrine of men need a second helper spirit who will then force them to speak in a tongue? By the way, can anyone out there in podcast land tell me where this second Holy Spirit baptism thing is taught in the church epistles? One would think something that important would show up somewhere in those church epistles. Just saying. Do you think maybe people like the tongue thing because it's the easiest gift to fake? Why is it if this day of Pentecost tongue thing is an absolute church phenomena ordained by the Lord to happen in all churches, as some profess, why doesn't this amazing supernatural eye and ear grabbing event happening Sunday mornings in thousands and thousands of churches throughout the world, just like it did on the first day of Pentecost? Everyone out there in podcast land understand that the book of Acts was not written for the purpose of teaching church doctrine. There is no church doctrine in the book of Acts. Not one single church doctrine. Now, believers can glean righteous stuff out of the book of Acts, but it was never meant to teach the church a thing. I continue on. And why aren't those believers who do believe that the day of Pentecost, miracles for day, immediately doing what those people did who received the gift and went out and preached? And it seems that today's tongue movement usually only happens deep in the bowels of the church of the brethren of the one gift. So all those questions are to show you listeners that a simple understanding of God's one truth on the tongue gift is not so simple. This tongue teaching has morphed into numerous opinionated views and into numerous speculative misunderstandings, all of which are being passed off as truth. These chaotic and scrambled, supposedly simple to see tongue teachings has not set the believers free. They have instead hamstrung the church with multiple what-if views and I don't know, what do you think? I don't know, what do you think kind of views. Brethren, here are some real simple, logical, factual, actual truths. Besides the fact that the book of Acts is not a church doctrine book, if the good Lord attended that miraculous event that took place on the day of Pentecost, which did happen, To happen every time a new church started up, don't you think that supernatural event would be happening in a lot of places in the world today at least maybe once a month? I mean, come on. A heavenly wind that sounds like tornadoes, tongues like fire, a group of guys speaking in languages they never knew, and yet not one single YouTube video of that supernatural event ever happening. Come on, brethren. Do not be so spiritually naive. Do not let your feelings or your desires dictate what truth is. Do not let your warm, bushy feelings for your pastor or your church buddies sidetrack you from learning and seeing God's biblical truths. God is not a God of confusion. People make him into a God of confusion. You can pray till the cows come home for the Spirit of God to open your eyes to the wonders and truths of his word, and it is not going to happen unless you're opening up your Bible and sincerely and diligently studying the words, sentences, thoughts, paragraphs, and ideas written in that supernatural book. There is no gift 
of spiritual osmosis for those children of God who do not study God's word. And please, 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 do not be deceived into believing that you have to travel to some small church in the middle of nowhere to be revived by the Spirit of God who, they say, for some silly reason, only shows up there. Now, I would love to see the Church of God getting fired up spiritually. Sadly, most Christians have a heart condition, though. They love this world and their church buddies and their pastors more than God's truths. This spiritual revival needs to start with God's people. Unfortunately, this is not going to happen unless God's people repent of their biblical lukewarmness, get off their lazy, comfortable church behinds, and start getting serious about learning the truths of God's word. And then take those truths out there into a dying church and a dying world. Christ told the believers at Sardis that you have a name on the outside of the building that makes it sound like you are spiritually alive, but you are not. You are spiritually dead. Those are Christ's words. I believe Christ himself warned his followers of what the end time church would be like in Matthew 24, 3 through 5. And Christ was sitting on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things happen? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Christ answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. For many, not a few, but many, will come in my name, not in a Muslim name, not in a Mormon name, in his name, a Christian name, saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. Again, many will be misled. I added the emphasis on the words many in these verses. For me, those verses in Matthew 24 are obvious prophetic revelations about the spiritual condition of the church in the end times. I believe that those who are coming in Christ's name, that Christ mentions in these verses I just read, and who are leading many astray, are those shepherds who are either purposely or ignorantly leading believers away from the sound teachings of the Bible. And they're coming in Christ's name. 2 Peter 2, 1 through 3. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among us who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned, and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. As I stated in my very first intro podcast, the goal or desire that I believe the Lord has put in my heart and mind is to reach those believers who are frustrated by the lack of sound biblical doctrine that they're being taught in their churches. This ministry is to encourage the wandering sheep with some simple biblical truths that are being ignored by most church leaders. So stay tuned for part two on the topic of truth. Your friend in Christ, Brother Bob. Remember, you can contact me at brobobforhim at gmail.com. That's B-R-O-B-O-B number four him at gmail.com.